0: What are you gonna do, Commissioner? There's only
1: one thing we can do Batman! Sir, it's the bat phone. Yes, Commissioner. Batman? We'll be right there.
0: Biff Bam Pow. This is Batman Land. Be careful, maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. we are Batman and Robin? The Crime Fighters. We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Weiseland. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS, and I'm joined here by a colleague of mine at SBS, the post boy for Tiger Beat magazine, 35 issues running. Nick Basine. It is perfect to be here with you, Dan. This is a mistake already. And we've also got joining us uh, one of the forgotten members of Hanson, Ben Skinner. <laughs>
2: You've already thrown me there. Yeah, that's what we do. It's good to be here, guys. I don't know
0: how you became a member of the band, like you're not a handsome brother. I don't even have long hair. Yeah. Well, they don't anymore either. Well, that's right. They're very cleanly shaven. Why also, Why the Hanson band? Because there's a teen band in this. We've got uh, Jeremy, Chad oh, and Jeremy. Oh, yeah. It's right, all sorry. about the segue. man. Gotcha. There's always a segue. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You're going to be doing the synopsis in a moment, so you should probably root right across this. I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> yes, yes. But anyway, we should probably explain who Ben is. Uh, occasionally at SBS, because the cool thing about SBS, you walk around the building here and you come across all these passionate people that have interesting side projects and just interesting things they want to discuss and be involved with. And I came across Ben, and we'll say that it was within the building and not drunken at a Christmas party, but no. Ben was explaining his many projects he gets involved in. Uh, ben, what do you do? Who well, are you?
2: Who am I? I'm a man of many... Uh, I'm a mysterious man. Mm. Uh, but mainly I'm a film buff. More than anything else, I'm a film buff. And I believe that's how our conversation sparked when we <laughs> yeah. bumped into each other in the building, not of outside course. the building at a yeah. party. Um, yeah. Neither <laughs> of us were at least fifteen beers into that night, <laughs> but um, it, it yeah. was quite the evening. Massive, massive Phil van. My day job is uh, creative here at SBS, but what yeah. does that mean? Creative, basically, I'm the guy that comes up with ideas for promos, which most people like to call ads. But any ad, any uh promos you see on SBS has usually come from the creative team. So it's kind of my job to somehow sell these shows, these brilliant shows such as Batman. Have you done Batman? I have not done Batman. Right. It's not for lack of wanting to. All the good stuff gets snapped up pretty quickly over there. Is it a seniority basis? It's basically a first in best dress kind of scenario. Yeah.
1: What's the best show you've done a promo for or a movie?
2: Well, movie wise, Children of Men last year. Nice. That's one of my favorites. Um, Was it that you love the film, because it's an awesome film, but is it that you
0: made an amazing promo for it? Because I'm sure you've made great promos for shows of which may not necessarily be your
2: cup of tea. Look, I, I try not to say that my own work is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think the quality of the movie kind of comes through when you're passionate about it. It's it's really, you know, you can kind of see that because if you care about something quite passionately, you spend that extra bit of time on it. But yeah, that movie, it's just, it's just obviously it's dated so well to the point where it, like most things that came up in that film have actually turned out to happen. It's, we're headed along that path now. And I think I was talking to you about it when we first met. Mm. And you're also a big fan of that film as well. Look, I mean. Can it's... we
1: reenact oh. when you guys first met? I've been hearing so much about it. It <laughs> just seems incredible. I like got incredible.
0: You can't catch a magic twice. Lightning, it
2: strikes in just one location.
1: Do the people down in creative, do you ever cut a movie like Children of Men to be a comedy?
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> mainly for social. But that's become a big thing of like,
1: yeah, it's all over the internet. It's a lot of fun
2: mashups and things, which yeah. I actually do for fun, like in my spare time. Uh-huh. I actually do a bit of that stuff as well. Um, yeah. uh, let's give it the quick plug.
0: So you've got a Facebook profile, which is largely where a lot of your stuff's being published. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So Movie yeah. Nerd's is a is a site that me and a bunch of friends started up a few years ago. And that's Movie Nerd's with a Z. Well, on Facebook, yes, we have a. We also have a YouTube channel. There's another Movie Nerd's out there, hence why we needed to put the Z on the end. I know. Uh, yeah we review movies and we do all sorts of silly videos on our youtube channel and yeah it's it's a lot of fun yeah sort of tommy wise out of
0: the room star wars mashup the other week
2: yeah stuff like that you know when you're working on it you're thinking to yourself is this the most stupid thing i've ever done and sure enough when you get a few hits and a few comments it kind of justifies its existence and you go yeah maybe it was worth it
0: yeah we had that thought on batman land a fair bit As always, I never remember what's happened in any given episode of The Batman. (laughs) Nick, please explain what happened this week.
1: Okay, so um, Catwoman sneaks onto a set and steals some radio guy's voice. Looks like Harry Ups lost his voice. And leaves an umbrella to fool the completely stupid police. really an ordinary umbrella with a mild electric shock device built into the handle. Catwoman tells the police that she's getting into showbiz for some reason, and they believe her because they've been uh, lobotomized at some point. Catwoman, hello, hello, hello. Catwoman gives Dick some dancing lessons and then gasses everyone at Wayne Manor, the old dance and gas move. Why, you're
0: no dance teacher. You're Catwoman.
1: Batman and Robin track her down to a dance studio. There's a fight, and Catwoman drugs them and tries to murder them with a noise machine. When
0: I throw that switch, the noise will become
1: excruciating. But they get out by making some other kind of noise. Catwoman steals worst rock acts Chad and Jeremy's voices at a concert. Every record our fans buy brings me another notch closer to becoming a brain surgeon. And escape by turning the lights off. All the teenagers lose their minds like they're about to die. Catwoman wants a bunch of money for their voices or she's going to take everyone's voices and England will go broke and the world will fall into financial collapse or something like that. You can't hold up an entire country. Batman and Robin track Catwoman down to a hair salon and beat her Mickey Mouse Club goon senseless.
0: Now, this is a two-parter, which really asks the question, cat got your tongue? Uh, these are the cat's meow, which aired initially on the 14th of December, 1966, and the bat's kowtow, which was the 15th of December, 1966. What's the second episode called again? I didn't really want to say this out loud a second time. I think it's kowtow. Cow- kowtow. kowtow, as kowtow? in bend. Is that what it... I don't even know. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. The, that's the Japanese um, bending for out of respect, kowtow.
2: Sure. He could be completely making this up and me and Dan would be none (laughs) the wiser. Not a clue.
1: But the first one is meow. The cats meow. Yeah. The bats kowtow. Yeah. They're getting worse at these.
0: I mean, sometimes they don't even try rhyming it. So at least they went to the effort here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's some effort involved
0: in this. Speaking of effort, first episode in this one, not a huge amount of effort going in. But the second one, I actually thought delivered quite nicely.
1: I have been rooting for Batman and Catwoman to get together from the start. And I mean, their relationship is getting more and more hot as the episodes go on. I, I was believing there's passion on the screen.
2: The tension, the tension's definitely bubbling over. Yes. She yep. said
0: some almost pornographic things when she was yes. at hush level
2: in this episode.
0: Oh my God. I was, I had to take a shower. <laughs> it was felt
1: so filthy. It was incredible.
0: I'm seeing some beads of sweat there now. Yeah. Is it hot in here? Yeah. I do like that there's this ongoing thing that happens, and it was particularly prominent in these two episodes, that Catwoman, anytime that Robin's involved, like, she just has such disdain for him. Oh, she hates him. It's very funny. I, yeah. I like, it's it gonna... funny, and I kind of wish that Robin had the same, because I think it'd be very funny if the two of them hated each other, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're both sort of jealous over their relationship with Batman.
2: So that's what it is. It comes down to jealousy, do you think? It uh, has to be. Because I, I was going to ask you about that, because it, it's something that definitely stood out to me. He just gets an absolute shellacking.
1: I get a, the adults are talking talking go away child kind of vibe from her and fair enough because come on that guy but how old is robin because she tries to set him up with uh, her friend or for one of her um henchmen hench- Hagoons. henchwoman enie i believe her name is for some reason and um she says he's too young for you later on he says i'm a teenager she's treating him like he's 10
0: Now, at one point when Catwoman rings up to organize the dance lessons for Dick, Bruce says something along the lines of, it's your 10th grade like prom coming up. Oh, did he say 10th grade? I thought he said 10th grade. Can I get confirmation from anyone?
1: The junior prom's coming up, isn't it? Yes, but- We don't want you to be a wallflower, do we? Dancing is an integral part of every young man's education. Gosh, Bruce, you're right,
2: but dancing?
0: So if it was 10th grade, like that's what, 15 years old? Fifteen, Yeah. He's Jack one of these, but he's,
2: Robin's one of these characters is just eternally the same age, right? Like a Bart Simpson. I don't think in the course of the entire canon.
1: In the comics, what? In the comics, he gets older. When he gets beaten to death by the Joker, how
0: old is he? Well, that's a different guy.
1: Oh, that's, um.
0: Jason Todd, the second Robin gets murdered. Right. Poor
1: yeah. second Robin.
0: But Dick Grayson is still around in the comics. He's, he's you know. Night- he's is he still Nightwing? Yeah, he's Nightwing these days. He's okay. an older guy. Apparently, you know, wears a costume quite well. Sometimes fills in for Batman. Yeah, he's done that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, so Robin gets older, but in this, I think maybe he just seems young because Robin, quite frankly, a little bit of a dum-dum. But the girls love him; like they're always screaming when he shows up
1: somewhere. He's like he's got a fan yeah. base of teen seems like teen girls that are into him; like he's a pop star.
0: Yeah, and yet no adult seems to really know who Batman and Robin are, <laughs> yeah. as evidenced in this episode at least once.
1: Always a good joke. Yeah. Love it whenever it happens in an episode.
0: Speaking of Eenie, uh because I like going through the IMDB and working out who a lot of these actors are, because this is a 50-plus-year-old TV show, and a lot of these actors confined to the, you know, I don't want to say dustbin, but, you know, they, they don't necessarily tend to be remembered so heavily anymore, but this lady, the actress's name was Sharon Winters, and while her IMDb listing is not particularly high, I did notice a credit in there. She's gotten a very special thanks in the anti-vaxxer documentary, Vaxxed. She's an anti-vaxxer? It's an anti-vaxxer. Well, presumably. They don't say exactly why she got the special thanks, but one presumes.
2: Mm-hmm. Gee, I don't know. Nick's just questioning everything he thought he <laughs> knew about Batman right now. Well, everything he thought he knew about Eni Well,
0: what well, what, would lead Eny to become an anti-vaxxer? This I do not know.
2: Eni Sometimes I think you left your brain in San Francisco.
0: Now, the actors who played Meanie and Mo, I'm not really sure exactly sort of what they were all about because there was nothing really sort of standing out there. But this episode was really heavy on a lot of guest stars coming through. So maybe we start with the main guest star walking, you know, like building climb. As they go down the building, you see Don Ho. Don Ho, yeah. yeah. Don Ho! What are you doing here? Well, I came back to get some land we lost back in Hawaii. And to do a little singing here in Gotham City, I hope. From Hawaii 5.0. Right. Yeah, so in character. But there are a number of other actors that made a few appearances and a few like weird little like in jokes for TV viewers at the time. At the very beginning we're introduced to, there's a TV presenter named Harry Ups who's hosting that show with Dick and Bruce appearing on there. Why Dick Grayson was there alongside Bruce?
2: No, if you'll uh, pardon me for
1: just 60 seconds. A word from the sponsor. Exactly. There wouldn't be a highly rated Harry Ups morning show
2: without the sponsor.
0: Not too sure, but it's a thing that happened. Now, Harry Ups, it's a parody of the host of the Today Show, and it's a presenter named Hugh Downs. So, that's what the reference there is. Now, Hugh Downs is a bit interesting. So, he was Jack Parr's sidekick on The Tonight Show and then went on to host The Today Show for about five years. Now, he's got a really interesting position in TV history where Jack Parr, who was... I think there's only, like, one episode of the Jack Parr hosted Tonight Show still around these days, because a lot of these old shows just got wiped and stuff over the years. But Jack Parr, apparently, midway into, like, his run, he ended up getting into a fight with the NBC censors, because they wanted to cut a joke of his about a toilet. Now, midway through the episode, he just said, life's too short for this, got up midway through the show being recorded, and just left. So he was off the air for three weeks, but in the broadcast where he stood up and just walked off the set, uh, his sidekick, the aforementioned Hugh Downs, he's the guy that took over.
1: Oh, wow. Do you know what the toilet joke was?
0: Um, I roughly remember, it, but it's not a great toilet joke.
1: What's a great toilet
0: joke? Look, I could tell you some great toilet I jokes, bet. but that's no, for another pod. Not safe for radio. Certainly not. Uh, he came back about three weeks later, and his first uh, statement back to the audience was, as I was saying... And I thought that was kind of a nice, classy oh, very thing. Very nice. But as far as Tonight Show hosts go, like, that's not the only reference here, because we actually had a Tonight Show host in the episode. Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's the guy that didn't know who Batman and Robin were. He called Batman Robin. His yeah. It's yeah. funny.
0: Oh, isn't that awful?
1: I know your names as well as I know my own. A Benton Bell Goody. Batman and Robin. How could I forget a thing? Of course. What what call can I do for you, Robin? Mm.
0: Other notable celebrities, the aforementioned Chad and Jeremy.
1: Have no fear! Chad and Jeremy are here. Now, Chad and Jeremy. Mm. I love a summer song. Uh, I first heard it when it was on the Rushmore soundtrack. It's a beautiful song.
2: Yeah, that's how I know them as well.
1: But um, those other songs, I'm not sure.
2: No. In fact, I'm going to come clean and say I didn't know these guys from Barsoo, and I don't know whether this is just like obviously I need to watch Rushmore again. I forget what moment it comes in the movie, but it's a it's very nice. It seems like something that would be on uh, that uh, particular director's playlist. Yes.
1: Long, quiet hours of play.
0: Now, Ben, you're a young man. You're hip. You're with it. Just remove the hip part. Yeah. yeah. They changed it, so it's not hip anymore. No. Ah, disappointing. So why was, That was one of our lessons. How was I, I supposed to, to know? Very hip, Alfred. I know? It's hip and Harriet. They changed it. Do it. Do it. Oh, ben, you're hip. You're with it. Chad and Jeremy, would you say that's your bag?
2: <laughs> Daddy-o? <laughs> um, look, I could get into it. I could grow on me, you know? I don't know if they're on Spotify, though.
0: Your hair's fairly short and like well-kept. Would you maybe take
2: on a Jeremy haircut sometime soon? I could, I could think about it. I think the biggest barrier to that would probably be my, my wife. Look at
0: that haircut of yours, Jeremy. What haircut? I have not a trim in
2: weeks. Actually, he wears it that way so people won't confuse him with his mother. Yeah, she's bald. Poor thing. Bringing it back to Hanson once again. And mm. thing about Hanson is, I always thought Taylor Hanson was a girl. And in this particular episode, I wasn't sure if this was a guy-girl combo.
1: Yes. Yeah, I thought the same thing.
2: We did. Is that another moment where you got a bit hot? <laughs> Um, the cold sweats
1: I started to get uh dizzy, and I passed out hit my head on the keyboard
2: and none of your coworkers did a thing.
1: Nobody noticed and then a few minutes later, God, I got just resumed working trooper the way that people um that the way the cast reacts J- Chad and Jeremy on the show made it seem like the show is written by very old people.
0: Am I wrong? Oh no, I think you're spot on. Speaking of old people, Aunt Harriet's having the tea with them, I thought was definitely a standout moment in a two parter
1: I always think tea's so civilized, don't you? I didn't realise this custom had reached the colonies. Oh my, yes. We serve tea every afternoon. Oh,
2: great. Sorry, just back to Chad and Jeremy again. I I do think that the way that they filmed that performance was particularly but I got a bit of a laugh out of it because I think at one point, I think they're cutting to, you hear the VO line, the joint is really jumping and they cut to this room. It's, you know, there's like probably 30 people in there. They're all sitting down, the crazy <laughs> kids just sitting down like, you know, yeah, just like, like, and this goes back into the, you know, it just seems like an older person. Yes.
1: Because
0: everything is like these, yeah, these guys are wild and out of control, jokes about their yeah. haircuts and everything. Well, it's probably a really interesting thing to consider, which 1966 was one of those points of actual real generational change happening where there was a massive divide between the older generations and the young. And I don't think we've seen a generational divide like that since then until maybe now as you've got younger people of whom have grown up in an internet age and then suddenly you have the older people of whom can't necessarily quite connect in the same way. And you're starting to see the reverberation of that happening right now. So it's kind of interesting watching a 60s show like this where they kind of are going through a similar kind of a shift as we are.
1: I didn't hear any of that. That's fair. <laughs> Are we on the air? Due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, we now switch you to our midday movie the big green thing that devoured Pittsburgh.
0: A couple of other really interesting guest stars that cropped up through here. There's a lady, she was a model, so we don't really know her as an actor so much here in Australia and, you know, as far as history is sort of uh, pushing forward. Uh, The model's name was Christine Ferraro. Now, she played the role of second girl on the show. And I just noticed her because she's got a really interesting backstory on her. She's the ex-wife of John DeLorean. Whoa. Yeah. I now, thought you were
1: going to say Abel
0: Ferrara. Tragically not. But ex-wife of uh, John DeLorean, uh, she was also the host of AM Los Angeles for about five years and had a guest spot on the love boat a couple of times. But the John DeLorean romance, the, it all just fell apart for her at the exact time that you kind of want it to from a historical narrative standpoint, where John DeLorean in the mid-90s, uh, mid-80s, his automotive company fell apart and obviously his flagship car was the DeLorean, which we know from the backs of the future movies yes yeah a quality automobile very much so have either of you actually seen a delorean in real life
1: i've seen a lego delorean
0: but not an actual delorean
2: uh no wait how big was the lego delorean
1: it was it was life-size <laughs> okay it was enormous it's at the lego museum down at darling harbor
2: because yeah you know if it was just a just a normal size lego i don't think it's <laughs> i don't think it counts <laughs> ben might no. So yeah, at the screening of Back to the Future trilogy a few years back, I think it was at the Orpheum in Cremorne, mm. they had a DeLorean at the back there, but it wasn't the one from the two and three. It was the original one. Okay. So, do
1: we know why it was such a um, disaster? That car. Uh, were, well, were there I, other cars that were more of a disaster in in the line or whatever?
0: I look, I'm not really a car guy, so I'm not too sure about some of it. I just know Back to the Future, but I've sat in that car and it's a pretty crappy car. Why? Like it looks really cool, but you just sit in it, and everything just feels kind of cheap and just. Yeah, it's not practical, that's for sure. Yeah, it,
1: it's not because people car. love Lamborghinis, and they have the doors that go up. That that's way. right.
0: Oh, the doors aren't the problem. It's just when you actually sit in it, it just doesn't feel like a quality car. Like you feel like you're like I felt I was about to die, and the car wasn't even moving anywhere. It was in park.
1: Um, but Jeremy knows oh, the answer. Know. Producer Jeremy, what's the answer? It's made from stainless steel. They didn't want to put any paintwork on it, so it's a really heavy car, and the engine is not
2: powerful enough to carry the weight of the car. That's really interesting. Breaking the fourth wall, I love it.
0: Yeah, loving it. I'm not loving it. Uh, Finally, there's one other guest star that really stood out to me, which was uh, Julie Strangus. Now, she's known for Strangles? I think it's Strangus. Okay. It's an IS. Uh, she played Dinah Girl in the live-action Electra Woman and Diner Girl TV show. Of course. But she's notable, I think, at least for as far as I'm concerned, for a lot of the voice work that she did. So she was in one of my favorite 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoons, Goldie Gold and Action Jack, and she played the aforementioned Goldie Gold. It's a great show. Don't give me that look, Ben. But her last credit is as playing a role on the Batman animated series in the early 90s. Is there a surprising amount
1: of crossover between people that have been on this show and people who worked on the animated series?
0: I suspect that it is not a coincidence. Yeah, that's a tick. <laughs> Story checks out. But that's impossible. Nobody will pay that much money for those voices. England will.
1: Batman, um, I'm used to watching him and Robin kind of run out of a room or uh, just, run a, just running little bits. But in this episode, I, I feel like we got a long shot of Batman running. And it is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. Adam West, for some reason, has Batman running, and his arms, his limbs are flailing around like like he's made of clay or just some sort of putty, some sort of stretching uh, substance. It's terrifying. He doesn't seem to have control of his body. Is this
0: where he's chasing Catwoman at the end of the episode? Yeah.
2: yeah. It's weird. You seem really concerned by this. I was upset. Just, Just your choice of words, you know, terrifying. Um, are you concerned for his well-being in that moment?
1: Well, I was just concerned that Adam West doesn't know how to run. But he, he's he's very gentlemanly and sma- suave, generally. But then when he runs, he, j- he looks like, well, like he's got a problem.
2: I think we should keep an eye out for this in future episodes and see whether yeah. he was just having an off day Let's. or whether this is, in fact, a problem.
1: Well, I thought it was very... At least the second episode more than the first. There are some decent laughs. It's actually at the very beginning of the first episode when Bruce is trying to guess the riddle that falls down and his, his zebra guess is so manic and charged <laughs> and he says it three times. Zebra, zebra, zebra! It's very funny. But Catwoman is generally – I get a kick out of her. She's generally pretty funny.
2: Yeah. She's got some good one-liners. There's there's, there's ones – there's a lot of quotes that I kind of just when – I, when I heard them, I'm just like, what? I think going back to the Robin thing, pointing out his age as a negative. At one point, she says, he's too young. At that age, all they're interested in is baseball. Yeah. It's just like
1: – it's a good line. I was never
2: keen on baseball. Um, <laughs> I just like those – that's why we love Batman, right? That's the real reason we kind of watch. I like those zingers.
0: Yeah, it's all about those stupid lines. I really like the Bruce and Dick scene as Dick gets the phone call about the dance lessons. And Bruce suggests that he needs to take the dance lessons so it doesn't end up as a wallflower at the dance.
1: So not only is Catwoman in love with Batman, but more and more, the commissioner seems to be kind of... I mean, he's just obsessed and keeps... The way he describes Batman, the way... The language he uses. um, I think if I asked, Batman would give me the cape off his back. What a man. That doesn't sound
0: like a working
1: relationship.
0: Speaking of unusual relationships going on there, Batman's crediting of Chief O'Hara with the fine police work he does there. Yeah, nice try, Batman. At one point he says, it's no wonder you've risen to the top of your department. (laughs) Like, has he seen the same Chief O'Hara we've been watching in this show? No, I'm a Batman... Is that loaded with sarcasm? (laughs) Chief O'Hara is maybe the most incompetent police officer I've seen since... I just don't know, Commissioner... What with her being back in town and all that commotion this morning? Do you suppose she could be the cause of it? Oh,
1: nonsense, Chief
0: O'Hara. I can tell a
1: reformed woman when I see one. And there is a reformed woman. He's highly
0: incompetent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also watch the show for Stereotypes. Here at SBS, we love stereotypes. There's a native islander type stereotype guy trying to get dance lessons. He doesn't get a speaking line. Steve Allen kind of rushes him out the door. That was great. I
0: thought that was a reference to
1: something. There's
2: Has something going be. on with that moment. I just did not ask something. I was going to ask, because I haven't seen every episode of, of this series, Sacrilege. Yeah. But I was going to ask you if this was a character, a recurring character. Not That's at all, all I could think that, in my head. That guy, that quiet yeah. guy. I thought this was a callback to something that had happened previously. But I just loved how bad shit insane that was, you know? Just the episode just stops. For this one, very little strange.
1: Um, the English stereotype guy. He was great with his pip pips and whatnots, and um, <laughs> enormous mustache. That was great. Hello, oh Harold, how are you? <laughs> Batman, like Jim Carrey's in um, Batman Forever.
0: Batman, Batman, you say?
2: Or in every movie he's ever been. <laughs>
0: Sorry, you're sort of uh throaty, sort of... Uh, I thought maybe you were like the Gungan from Star Wars Phantom Menace. Oh, Boss oh. Nass. He's the leader of the... The Gungans. Jar Jar Binks people. Is yeah, the right? Gungans. That's what I said. That's a little bit more...
1: You sir? <laughs> You saw? You saw? <laughs> yeah i guess it's kind of similar that was that an english stereotype
0: that movie was full of stereotypes oh yeah there was some stereotypes going on in that movie a moment I loved, and taking it back to the dance lessons again, when Dick's actually getting his dance lesson from Catwoman, who's oh. there in disguise. I can't remember what character name she ends up giving. But she's there and then she ends up sneezing because she's allergic to the dogwood flowers. And as soon as it happens, like she goes out of the camera shot and she comes up like sexy librarian, yeah, yeah, yeah. and her hair is now flowing in the wind. And that's when suddenly Robin's like, Why you're no dance teacher. You're Catwoman. Yes, oh. that was great. <laughs> She doesn't know that he's Robin, does she? No. I mean,
2: also, I kind of feel that everybody knows.
1: You would think so. I mean, everybody's completely stupid on this show.
2: I just love how in the newer films, like the Snyder, uh, Snyder et al., like Bruce Wayne uh, and Superman, they've just decided that they just don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, they're just not worried about the glasses thing anymore. They've just completely said, look, yeah, we know it's a thing, but get over it, guys. It's not important. But I particularly like that moment you're talking about with Catwoman with the glasses off. Like I think that's another that's another thing. This show is just so like endearing for that. Those yeah. little those little moments where they're doing it completely on purpose. It's just those little winks to the audience, you know? Holy mosh. We like to
0: talk to our guests about their own personal history with Batman. Now, Ben, you're a reasonably youngish guy.
2: I don't know how old you are. I'm On- um, so between the age of 30 and 32.
0: No, that's an acceptable demographic. Right. Batman, who's your Batman? Who did you grow up with?
2: Uh, I'd say, unfortunately, this was obviously the first one I was exposed to, right? But I remember watching Batman Forever a lot as a kid. And this is the, this is the issue, is that Batman Forever was one of the first films I saw at the cinema. It doesn't matter how bad a film is. If it's if it's one of the first ones you've seen in a cinema, you're going to remember that moment, right? So Val Kil- once I realized Val Kilmer was terrible... It was Keaton for a long time.
1: So you saw Batman Forever, but then at some point you started at the beginning?
2: You started over. Yeah. And I realized that those Burton films, like, I think it's a real shame that Burton wasn't able to make his third chapter in that trilogy, which he always saw as a trilogy. They booted him out. Schumacher came in. The rest is history.
0: Why did they boot him out? Do we know? Well, it's because Batman Returns was considered a failure. So it still made a decent profit. But compared to what the first film made to what the second one did, Warner Brothers' expectations were just not quite what was being delivered. And don't forget, Batman Returns is a very dark film. And when you actually look at what Burton did with that movie, it cuts out the potential child audience for the film quite heavily. So it's a dark film with that penguin character who's a very vile creature. Yeah. And it's hard to get a lot of the toys high uh, ends like... I remember McDonald's toys being sold, but in retrospect, that's kind of surprising to me because it's a really dark film. I needed more kids running around.
2: Mm. I think that was the thing with Schumacher. He, he himself has admitted that he got carried away with the merchandising, especially on Batman and Robin. And that was one of the big things that you know brought it down in the end. That, that m- and the truly, truly awful script.
1: Well, the nipple suits were flying
0: off the shelves. I'm wearing one right now.
2: So, in answer to your question, uh, yeah, I'd say I held on to Keaton for a long time. But as the films have gotten darker and grittier, Mm. I think it just highlights the fact that this series more and more, that the charm it has is just, I think it's timeless.
0: Yeah. So, I've always loved this show. But I mean, I think you're right. There's something right now where, because the films have gotten so dark, I think there's something about the lightness of this now, which is kind of elevated and made it more palatable again.
1: You know, if you think about the horror of the Vietnam War... And how it was raging while this show was on. I think the show gets a lot darker. It kind of does. Like, imagine this show is on TV and um audiences while um, kids are being sent over to die for a war and the government is lying to them about it. What you did the Vietnam War start? Depends on um, who you ask. Horrible shit happened in 66 and 67.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, if you think about Batman 1966 as almost a rejection of some of the harsh realities of the time, it's a really interesting movement. And for what I was saying earlier about youth culture sort of rising at about the same point as well, like it's just this major fundamental change that's happening across the US where you've got these old guys writing the Batman show where they don't quite understand what the pop music's about and what the kids are really into, but they're also trying to bridge that divide at the same time, I guess, because they're the you know, liberal elites from Hollywood, but ultimately, you do have that weird generational thing happen, and they obviously are concerned about what's happening. The brightness of it really says something about the darkness of the U.S. at the time.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it, kids are getting killed on campuses uh, by the police. All kinds of horrible, horrible. I just happened to watch the uh, documentary, That's why it's on my mind. Which is on SBS on demand. Everybody should watch it. Not anymore.
0: What? It just don't you read your emails? Yeah. Now that you ask, no, I don't. It's just, it's just left on demand, and so lots of people have been emailing through asking oh, when it's going to be sat. on TV again.
1: Oh, damn it! Yeah, Jeremy, leave that in. So, did you grow up with
2: this show? I remember watching it at a very young age, okay. and it was always sporadically. I feel like you know when you were relying on free-to-air TV to show something, it was, sometimes they'd show little bursts of something, and then you wouldn't see it for months, <laughs> and then it'd come back again.
1: Australian free-to-air scheduling. Wait a minute, I'm not allowed to say those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a harsh reality when I first moved here. How uh, fast and loose they play with the um times.
2: I remember I remember sitting down to watch the new season of Sopranos and it was on at like eleven thirty at night. And then at the very last minute they said, actually we're gonna repeat season three. Um I know you've been waiting anxiously and it's already been out in the States for three months, but you guys won't mind. You know, only the best show of oh, all time.
1: So funny to me. Apart
2: from this show, of course.
1: Uh, yeah, good uh,
2: good save. Speaking as an average, ordinary, red-blooded, typical American teenager, I think this is one of the worst things that could have happened.
1: What is the best Batman movie for you?
2: Uh, it's probably it's going to sound quite right now. We've heard
1: it all on this show. Uh,
2: the Dark Knight. Yeah. I think it was just so such a massive film and a big part of my life as well. Because I remember seeing it at IMAX and it just blew my mind more than any other Batman film I'd seen in the cinema. And I just think... The way that Nolan just took a genre, and you know, obviously that film, so influenced by Heat, like so he took it. He took a genre film like Heat and applied that to the Batman story. So it was very grounded, and I think I yeah, never thought
1: about it as com- compared to Heat. So that, so Batman and the Joker in the cell is like the Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. It just, it, uh, it just, like
0: right at the beginning in the bank robbery sequence, like that's lifted directly uh, okay. out of heat. So the point where William Fichtner, who was in heat is the bank manager in oh, Dark Knight. Yeah, look at
2: that. I think just tonally, I think he was going for just that grounded feel. Has and he said
1: this publicly? Has yeah. He said- he,
2: he's named it as an influence. Oh, okay. I think all of them are influenced in some way, but I think that's the most obvious one of all. And it, that film is just you know it's just a strong crime thriller basically that just happens to have a cape crusader like.
1: So, well, how do you reconcile that with uh, Michael Keaton being your Batman?
2: I just have a loyalty to him, right? So, Keaton took up the first you know sort of fifteen years of my life. I feel like I have a loyalty to him. You know what I mean? But as a film, as as a film, I think The Dark Knight is like overall probably the strongest one, and that I think most of that falls at Heath Ledger's feet. Because yeah. the Joker is yeah, my yeah. favourite villain and I think that is like the Joker performance, not including Mark Hamill's work, obviously.
1: <laughs> Hysterical.
0: At the end of every Batman Land, we like to really delve into the lessons that we've learned from this week's Batman. Ben, you're our guest. Uh, was there anything that you really learned this week that the great Bat has given
2: you? I think I've learned to uh, to drop one-liners into everyday conversations more. I feel like people appreciate that. I think it works better if you're wearing blue spandex. So, would you recommend I try that maybe on a Friday? Because it's usually casual Fridays. Yeah, look, it's casual Fridays and we started doing Thai Tuesday in my department, but maybe Wednesday is kind of a good day to bust out. Okay, well, if I'm, if I'm back on this podcast, I'll let you know how I go with that. Yeah, we'll definitely schedule it for a Wednesday. Nicholas Pessin, what have you learned this week?
1: Um, it's such a simple lesson and one that we could all benefit so much from, but just the idea that kissing is one of the most natural things in the world. Everybody does it.
0: Bears, people. Did I mention bears? You mentioned bears. I'm concerned about how much you're looking directly into my eyes as you've been talking about this. (laughs) I'm looking at the microphone. It's impossible to see you. What kind of bear are we
1: talking about here? There's a kissing bear, kissing bears they're known in the wild to kiss are they native to specific regions um northwest america and <laughs> oxford street <laughs> and certain parts of oxford street as uh, some people kiss almost every day i'm told
2: well come on batman the police are here
1: what about you, Dan? What uh, lessons have you learned from. Um, Look, I learned. Don't, don't steal my kissing one.
0: Okay. I've learned only two important lessons from this week, then. The first one, and maybe this is just something a little bit more about Batman. I learned about the Batman TV show in this one. We learned that in Stately Wayne Manor, he has 14 bathrooms, 18 bedrooms, oh, yeah, but only three right. entrances.
1: Further proof of Dick's stupidity why is he answering all these questions about Wayne Manor's layout? I feel he was getting a bit
0: sus to it at that point.
1: Surely he had a someone had a chat with him saying, "We've got some secret shit going on over here. Don't tell everybody what's going on." Yeah, and stranger danger. Yeah, yeah. God, what
2: Do idiot. we know he could have been? That could have been all a lie, though, right? He could have he could have been playing along with that. maybe oh, you think the, misdirection. That information may not be one hundred percent accurate. Did anyone like, else- like most of the things that we've been talking about today?
1: Did anyone else um, think that Catwoman, when dressed as the dance teacher, looks like um, the teacher in that Helen Keller movie?
2: Quickly
0: Google Helen Keller. (laughs) It's what she looks like. That's not a joke. I wish that was a joke. The other important lesson I took away from this week was that I learned that every generation has its own music, Mm. which is fine. I mean, I don't care what the kids are listening to now. But I appreciate that every generation has their own tunes. What's this generation's tunes? It's like the hippity hop. Ben, what kind of music do you listen to?
2: Just get a synth, lay that down, get a female vocal on that top of that shit. You get yourself a hit right there.
1: Alright, I like it. I like it. I learned I just learned that was a new lesson I learned. That the synth and
2: yep. lady musicians, vocals. they all they need is a little USB. Bring that to a gig and you set. Boom. <laughs> Folks, this has brought us to the end of another Batman land for another Bat Week.
0: Nicholas Bassine, thank you very much for stopping by the Batman Land Cave. You're on Twitter, where do people find you? You can find me at, at Pip Pip. <laughs> and
1: it's got three R's? It's um it's just R uh, fifteen times. Yeah. Anywhere else we can find you? At Nick Bassine is also acceptable. <laughs>
2: Ben, you are on Facebook as Movie Nerds? That's correct. Movie Nerds with a Z on Facebook. Yeah. Any other ways people can find you? On YouTube also. Our channel is Movie Nerds with an S, just to make things nice and confusing. (laughs) (laughs) You really need to talk to someone about branding.
1: And what's it like on Twitter? How do you spell that on Twitter?
2: We're yet to get involved with Twitter. The biggest thing with Twitter at the moment is none of us give a shit about Twitter. Mm, Why not? Uh, I feel like, like Screen Junkies and all these kind of movie sites, they like they put all their efforts into like YouTube and I feel like we at the moment that's where all our kind of effort is going. And people can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. If you are on Twitter
0: or your other social media platforms, use the hashtag Batman Land helps people find the show. If you enjoy the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or whatever your podcast app of choice is, helps other people find and discover the program. Uh, also, we're now on TuneIn, so you can find us there on radio. Folks, this has been Batman Land. Thank you very much, guys. We'll be back next week. Same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel.